0: Welcome to Optech Insights, where we talk operational excellence, the nerdy tech stuff that drives business, makes workforces effective, and keeps supply chains moving. It might not be sexy, but it sure as hell matters. Your host is Todd Greenwald, mixologist by night and supply chain tech wizard by day. With guests and content from every industry, get ready for insights that could transform your operations. It's Optech Insights. Welcome to Optech Insights. This is your host, Todd. Today, I'm excited to have Buckley Brinkman on with me. Buckley, I got to expose you with a lot of different things that you've been up to in the social world and just speaking, uh, but really focus on how to evolve as a manufacturer, how to pivot, how to build yourself up to be more nimble. um, And, uh, you know, just been excited to get you on to help get your standpoint, how to share what you're doing and how you help businesses.
1: Yeah. Hey, thanks, Todd. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. This is, uh, this is a lot of fun. I know you and I have had some discussions offline yeah. and uh, they've got really gone to some interesting places and they I've have. enjoyed them a great deal. And hopefully we have another one here today. So our group is part of the Manufacturing Extension Partnership National Network. Every state in the country has an MEP center. They're all focused on helping small and medium manufacturers stay competitive. We all hold a cooperative agreement with the National Institute of Standards and Technology. And then each one of us is free to operate in the way we think is best to help manufacturing in our state. And here in Wisconsin, we're a key strategic partner with the state of Wisconsin. And we really help them move forward all of their economic development with the smaller manufacturers. And as you can imagine right now obviously coronavirus is the is the main centerpiece of everything that's happening out there and it's happening in two ways for most manufacturers most of the manufacturers north of the cheddar line here are still in operation we think it's somewhere between 65 and 75% of the manufacturers huh. never shut down
0: okay well that's that's encouraging i guess
1: yeah, so they're they're trying to stay safe, and then the second thing they're they're doing is trying to figure out how they can keep operating efficiently and effectively and keep business going. I mean, right now uh, with the car plants, with a stuttering startup uh, and some of the other larger manufacturers not quite up to speed, it's taking a bit of a toll on the on the smaller manufacturers.
0: I know i see quite a bit, uh, that's happening. And I know you and I've talked about some of this in this realm, but like, you know, what are you focusing and what are some things that you should be, uh, as a small, medium sized kind of manufacturer, what you're kind of sticking to the cadence and in working with those kind of businesses to help them of uh, kind of stay on track and, and stay well, strong. Well, what's
1: been encouraging up here has been from our data, the number one concern of, uh, of manufacturers that we've talked to is the safety of their employees. I mean, this has really been a curve as we all become medical experts in uh, in a very short period of time and still try to figure out um, what this virus can do and where it's most dangerous. And it's, uh, it's a little backwards for me because usually when I learn more about a subject, I feel a little bit more secure and I know what I can and can't do. Uh, when the experts are still learning, it's a little unsettling, especially when it seems like every time they learn a little bit more, they find another way that this bugger can kill you. So, when you're trying to run an operation in the middle of this, how do you take the safety precautions that are necessary to keep your employees healthy and feeling safe coming into the environment?
0: Well, and again, that's another one of those areas where it's, you know, there has unfortunately been some bad uh, press that's happened for some different businesses. Right. And, um, you know, how do you handle that and avoid, um, falling into the realm of having a safety issue for your employees? So, uh, but there has to be, you know, I'm assuming there's gotta be some things you've been thinking of, of little different thought patterns or a how to, uh, work with your employees.
1: Yeah, it's a really really interesting paradigm that's getting uh, smashed right now because as you try to keep employees safe, one of the things that's critical is social distancing. Well, if you have 100 employees starting a shift at 7.30 and one time clock, uh, you can't social distance. There's no way you can keep everybody six feet apart. So then you have to start thinking about you know, some long-held beliefs that, well, my, my shift starts at a certain time. Everybody has to be be there and ready to work. I need a time clock so I know that everybody was there on time. Uh, you know, a whole bunch of, of different factors that we've just taken for granted up to this point. And so if you start really thinking about it, you know, the first step is, of course, you can stagger a shift. So you have people coming in at different times. So that you're not congregating around the around the time clock. And if you're saying I can go with that, well, okay. Do I really need a time clock? You know, are there other ways yeah. that I can keep track of where employees are and get them paid accurately and make sure that my operation is running correctly?
0: Is there an element too of like ebbing and flowing with maybe production and 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 how you actually? position the employee to be on site versus maybe can they do things off site or remotely manage or monitor a job in, in, in the case of a, of a, you know, a manufacturing process.
1: Yeah. What's really, what's one of the things that's, that's been found to be really critical with operations that are still running is, you know, assessing what happens if you have an infection at a certain part in the operation, you know, and you, you pull that person out of the operation for 14 days what happens to the, to the overall company? And so it's caused people to go, okay, you know, maybe I need to work staggered days. Maybe I need to extend shifts so that, you know, I've got an A crew and a B crew and they never, they never run across each other so that if I lose a person on, on one shift and it really disrupts the operation, the other shift isn't, uh, isn't disrupted. We've also seen we've seen also with bigger companies where they've taken their management team and they won't even let them come together anymore. You know, until the pandemic is is passed. Um, All the meetings are via Zoom. All the meetings are are um, are virtual rather than uh, person to person. And they seem to be working just fine.
0: Obviously, we've all probably sat in more Zoom meetings than ever, but uh, <laughs> but at the same time, they do work pretty well and it's there is a thing about efficiency too. like is it more efficient to just do it that way versus bringing everybody in the conference room or having some meeting or whatever right? but um, there is an element too of, on an operations level about efficiency um, you know it's almost like well, the way there's been a lot of time spent in manufacturing and supply chain as a whole is so how to make it as lean and and as efficient as possible but it's almost like have we made it have we really made it extremely efficient what does that mean for them and should we be kind of rethinking everything right now uh with with the efficiency gains we have had
1: i think you're hitting on a on a on a really critical element right now i think we're seeing it throughout the economy and it's this parallel theme of of slack and resilience you know we have taken all of the slack out of most of our systems. If you look at, at hospital beds and the hospital's ability to surge up during this, if you look at the supply chain for PPE and our ability to get that surged up or where it's actually located, you know, we drove all every single penny out of that. If we're looking at what we're doing with our, with our employees and with our, with our processes right now, we have to ask ourselves, so have we gotten too efficient? and you know how valuable is it to be able to react and be flexible so that we can either address new threats or take advantage of new opportunities
0: you know i've heard you reference slack and resilience quite a bit and i this is an important thing i think to understand for some of our listeners can you kind of dig into that? Well,
1: we, it, it's really interesting because even that I've been a lifelong lean practitioner and your drive is always to, to lean out the system, make it as efficient as you possibly can. If you can save a penny, go and do it, you know, because it multiplies over time. And what's happened now is we really don't have the, the resilience or the flexibility to attack new opportunities and really put systems together in a new way because we're always locked in on what the most efficient process is. And we're going to see it in in a couple of ways. One is, um, as people start to talk about the importance of having certain of our medical supply chain be here in the U.S., we're going to have to ask how much slack we are willing to tolerate in the system in order to have that access, that immediate access, and that and that opportunity to respond. On the threat side, you know we've made these we've made these processes so um, so streamlined that they're easy to crack for a for a cyber uh, terrorist. I mean we've seen that now where. Um, where the chinese have gone in and hacked vaccine labs. And so if you've made your if you've made your process really simple and you haven't spent any money on on cybersecurity and put that resilience into your into your system, you're in trouble.
0: Well, the cybersecurity topic is probably one can be a lot of time spent on that. Uh, we are actually bringing in uh, a few different experts in this area very soon uh, on some upcoming episodes uh, talking about cybersecurity. We got this one guy who's an ethical hacker and uh, another gentleman that's very focused on uh, on what's going on in the pulse of so what's happening, but, but uh, we probably could do a whole dive into this around uh, cybersecurity and things that are happening within manufacturing, but...
1: Well, I think there's a couple of things. I think one of them is um, first, how, the, how cyber crime has changed in the last five years. You know, five years ago or so, someone would sit there and, and focus in on a specific target and design something custom for that. I kind of liken it to buying a car 100 years ago, right? If you wanted a car 100 years ago, you went to a craftsperson. And they built the car specifically for you. And it was, it was perfect to do exactly what you wanted it to do. But it cost a lot of money and it took a lot of time to build. Well, then Henry Ford came along, applied the assembly line to that. The cost fell. Soon cars were in everybody's garage. Now, they weren't all as precisely tailored to you as they could be, but they were yeah. everywhere. The same thing's happening on the cybercrime side uh-huh. you know, now it's mass, these things are mass produced it's an industry where you can buy you know you can buy a virus off the shelf and it'll have a it'll have a designated ROI you'll have a money back guarantee if it doesn't reach that ROI there are help desks that will make sure that you that that virus is as effective as it as it can be and there's even you know a, a an honor among an honor among the profession, where you know, if I'm going to hold Todd for ransomware and he pays it, the industry standard is I better let Todd get his data, otherwise it wrecks it for the rest of us. That's so this has be- become very sophisticated, and and they're they're going to attack at everyone. They really don't want they don't really care about your data. Other than to get a few dollars from you.
0: So back, like on the operations and manufacturing side of the fence, I mean, what are some things that you're seeing as moving the needle, or things you should be thinking about, or directions where uh, evolve, evolving and changing is uh, taking taking businesses to another level, or or helping them um, become more efficient.
1: Well, it's uh, uh, one of the things that we're doing. In manufacturing is a digital twin. But when you we're manufacturing is really you know a couple steps behind what's going on in fintech and in the medical fields, where um, you know what they've discovered is it's not it's not the doctor it's not the computer it's the two of them working together you know and there are some things that 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 the computer's really good at I mean we start talking about when you start talking about process failures. I mean, a computer can take just a a wealth of data and make correlations and find patterns that you or I couldn't find. Um, So it can find problems for you.
0: It's similar to uh, there's some things about machine learning and AI. I don't know if you've caught this around. Uh, There's this uh, meme that's kind of floated around before. It's it's like a chihuahua and like a, a blueberry muffin kind of thing. Um, and it kind of looks like if you look at it closely, it's almost hard to tell. Uh, maybe I can even put it in the, in the episode notes or whatever this thing. But but uh, the thing is that they're saying is where we're at right now with machine learning that we've actually crossed the chasm to uh, have the machine kind of augment the worker. In this case, if you're doing quality control and you need to verify a bunch of parts. Yeah, yeah, there's someone to yeah. be sit there like looking at the parts and they're going by and you're trying to assess... If it's a pass or fail, it kind of allows you to not focus on that, but let the human focus on the more value or or complex types of scenarios. But let the machine just do the the learning, and it's much more accurate than you and I ever sitting there because it it is a it's a it's a pass, right. it's a fail. It's not this is not this is not a maybe or or I look to my right and talk to Bob next to me and. You know, three bad parts just went past me. So, or,
1: or if you're working with, uh, if you're working with a robot slash cobot, and you're trying to do, if you if you've got a repetitive task, but you don't want to, you don't want to fuss around with the orientation piece of it. You know, you can have the human do some of the dexterous things, put it down for the robot, and then the robot can take care of the rest of the assembly. So it's a it's a nice meshing of, you know, what the human can do and what the robot can do. And then the other the other piece of this is, you know, when we come out of this and we will come out of this, the demographics still suck. (laughs) You know, we're going to we're going to run out of people again fairly quickly. It just might not be in the next year. But if you're not ready, if you're not ready to deal to grow your business without any more workers, you're going to be really hamstrung when this takes off again because uh, we'll be back in that tight labor market and you'll be trying to find, you'll be trying to find the purple unicorn to fill your production line (laughs) and they just won't be there. Yeah, They just won't be there.
0: Well, what are you, what are you finding within the manufacturing workforce within Wisconsin and the folks that you're working with, with them, their willingness to return to uh, the floor to do what you're doing and uh, what's what's that look like in regards to morale, I guess, if you want and, and drive uh, of the workforce?
1: I think it depends where I think it depends where you are. And I think it depends on um, I think it, it, it depends is a good word. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because most manufacturers are not your grandpa's manufacturer anymore. You Mm -hmm. know that they're not they're not dumb, dark and dangerous. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, What's been interesting to watch during this pandemic has been certain places that have been really uh, hard hit. I mean, I'm thinking about meat plants now. Yeah. And if you if you've been if you've been doing things a certain way and having people, you know, elbow to elbow and running a line at a certain speed. Um, you, you may not be able to do that in a pandemic. At the same time, uh, we had, uh, we had a presentation from the general manager of the two Cargill plants that are in Milwaukee and they've gone so far as putting plexiglass down the middle of the hallway so that the hallways are one way. Okay. And, uh, you know, have really gone to extremes to make sure that they're separated and, and sanitized, and things are able to be done the the right way. But the other piece that it's showing us is how much inter interconnected we are. You know, we were talking about cybersecurity before, where you know if you infect your if your own computer is infected and you you use it at work, now all of a sudden you've got that commingling. Well, think about think about this woman running this plant. She's taking all of these precautions to To make sure that her workers are safe and as safe as they possibly can be. And then, you know, 20 minutes after they leave, they're down at Joe's Bar and Grill having yeah. a cold one and sitting right next to each other.
0: It's crazy. I mean, I don't know. You know, you can only do so much and you, you you have to protect your facility, but you you can't control what happens beyond those doors necessarily.
1: You're going to have to be responsible for what you're doing. And um, it'll be interesting to see when the second surge happens. I mean, I don't know the the numbers right now look like you know it's it's our healthcare systems aren't going to be taxed, um, but I'm I'm worried about this fall, yeah. you know, especially especially the people who are who are dead set on uh, making sure that they have their football games, right. And uh, being able to show up at those and then going into cold and flu season. And there we go again.
0: Well, then how do you kind of keep in, in tabs with the, the employees and what they got going on? And what kind of questions can you be asking or surveys can you be asking in order to ensure a safe uh, environment for everyone?
1: I don't think you're, you're going to be able to ask those questions, you know, about social interactions. You're going to be able for a while anyway in the right um, environment to ask people to certify themselves that they're asymptomatic and that they're below a certain temperature Yeah, like we're doing. But the thing is going to be I think the parallels with what we were talking about with cybersecurity are striking because it's all about it's all about getting the word out there and building habits you know, what we're talking about in society is really trying to enforce the unenforceable. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's damn near impossible unless you want to be a police state right. for me to say, Todd, you have to wear your mask. You absolutely have to wear your mask outside of here. Now within the factory, you can say that mm-hmm. I could say, Todd, if you're going to work here, you have to use, you have to use this PPE. Otherwise you can't be here anymore. And you can start to build that habit. i tell you, you know, for someone who's never worn a mask before when it's been above, you know, 10 below zero, um, <laughs> those suckers are hot and inconvenient. Yeah. And, and you know, they they cause you to have really big problems doing some normal things. Like, you ever try to open a plastic bag in a grocery store without being able to lick your fingers? Oh, my God. Oh, God. But yeah. it's something that when you start doing it, it's just not that big a deal. True, you know, to say, okay, I want to make sure that Todd's safe, and and I want Todd to make sure that I'm safe, and that's a if we can get that mindset changed, wow, we can go a lot of different places. If all of a sudden I'm going to worry about you, and you're going to worry about me, um, you know, that has some pretty profound effects.
0: So, what do you see the different manufacturers that you're working with? Some best uh, engagements or how do you think through uh, what to do if there was a situation that happened to arise with potential infection or even symptoms that are happening within the environment?
1: I think one of the best practices in that area, Todd, is, is uh, you know, doing a war game, for lack of a better word. You know, OK, you have you, you just test it out and say, OK, um, you pull a name out of the hat and say, OK, Todd has got we discover that he has a has symptoms what do we do and you pull you off we put you through the process and then we try to run the plant some more you know we we do what we need to do and all of a sudden you're going to run into oh i didn't think about this or this or this or this and how it all starts to to act if you don't do that up front you're going to end up doing it in real time, and then you don't want to guess then.
0: Well, it's almost like the, you know, kind of skating to where the puck's going to go versus where it's been. And uh, that's never really a good situation once you're uh, on your heels, right? Wayne so.
1: Gretzky, go to where the puck is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it's critical. And it's, it's, it's interesting when you can't do something, how you figure out a way to get around it. I mean, we, we're in helping um, manufacturers all the time, but we can't, uh, we, we can't get into a lot of production floors right now. So, you know, doing virtual meetings for some of the training or some of the information that needs to go out has been a big part of the, the transition. Another thing that we were never thought to do, you know, six months ago was, oh, can you take your camera out on the floor and show us what's going on? I mean, it's not the, it's not the best alternative. We wouldn't, that wouldn't be our default position, but it's, it's being surprisingly effective Mm. right now to where all of a sudden you can see what's going on.
0: Well, Hey Buckley, let's wrap it up. Um, I really appreciate everything you've shared and taking the time with the audience and I today to, uh, to uh, look from, from your world and how you're helping these manufacturers every day in the state of Wisconsin. I know you have other peers or other friends or whatever across the U S that are doing the same thing within their respected state, but uh, definitely appreciate what you're doing. Uh, There's no time like now that uh, folks can lean on people like yourself to improve the business evolve uh, have a shoulder to the cry on or whatever's needed. But, um, I know you help in many, many ways as well as funding and all kinds of things. How can people keep an eye out for you and what you're up to and what you're saying? Cause I, I know you really have some great, great things that you're releasing and you're talking about out in the, out in, uh, social media and such.
1: Uh, there's, uh, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at P Buckley, B U C K L E Y. Uh, you can go to our website at wicmp.org and uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome, man. Well, thanks for joining us today, Uh, Buckley. Really appreciate it. Really enjoyed uh, our time together again. And uh, audience, thanks for tuning in to Optech Insights. This is your host, Todd Greenwald. We've got a number of great things coming up on cybersecurity. Uh, We've got a great ethical hacker. It's going to be talking about things to be thinking about uh, but also some really cool things around operational maturity in in the uh, supply chain. So uh, stay tuned for some great episodes. If you want to keep in touch, subscribe now. Give us a thumbs up or heads up of what you're thinking and what else we can cover for you by, uh, by sending us uh, a little bit of insight to what you're looking for. So thanks very much for joining us again and have a good one. Stay safe.